Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Do you suffer from PMS symptoms like fatigue or bloating or cramps or anxiety? Do you know if your hormones are in balance? Maybe you're experiencing hot flashes. Whatever the problem is, in today's two-part series, we've got the answers. We're covering all things from healing your hormones to stopping PMS in its tracks to never having a hot flash again with some of our favorite doctors and nutritionists. In part one, Susie and I are throwing it way back to our chat with functional medicine practitioner, Rich Jacobs, whose mission is to put his health detective skills to the test and find the root cause of all your symptoms. Stay tuned because Rich reveals how to reduce PMS in six months or less. Then I'm talking to the Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones author, Dr. Michael Platt, about why progesterone may be the secret to healing a multitude of conditions like hot flashes, ADHD, ADD, fibromyalgia, weight gain, and so many more. Then in part two of this series, we will hear from Dr. Neil Barnard, who I interviewed last year about his book, No More Hot Flashes, The Science of Food, Hormones, and Health, which many of you won a copy of in our last swag bag contest. Congratulations. And stay tuned because Dr. Barnard will reveal how to get relief from the most severe and troubling menopause symptoms without drugs. And finally, we've got nutritionist Alexa Sherm. She's here to talk about the hormonal effects triggered by artificial sweeteners and why you should probably eliminate them from your diet and how to restore metabolic function and manage your hormones naturally. All this and so much more next up on Food Heals. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals podcast starts now. Today, we're here with an exciting guest, Rich Jacobs. Rich became passionate about helping others holistically after struggling with his own health issues that doctors couldn't resolve. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Rich now works with people all over the country using his health detective skills to find the root causes of common health issues and eliminate symptoms for good. And Allison, did you know he helps women eliminate their PMS symptoms? Um, that's amazing. I cannot (laughs) wait to talk about this. I know. This is a problem for many women, including myself. So we'll definitely have to find out all about that. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, ladies. I'm really excited to be here. Glad to have you. So can we start? With the PMS symptoms? I think, no, I think we need to talk about what he does first. And then we'll, okay, you, you are fine. rearing to go about the PMS. You know, you ladies, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, and I, I guess I'm really excited to be here because you ladies are, are crazy. I mean, you are absolutely <laughs> wild on the air. So We're crazy. Uh, I'm kind of pumped to see where this goes today. But, uh, function- <laughs> uh, functional medicine practitioner. So what I do is I find the root cause of common health issues. Specifically, uh, you know, I work with women in eliminating their PMS symptoms, such as fatigue, bloating, cramping, headaches, anxiety, uh, and I'm sure there's a few others out there uh, that people don't want to share with, share on there. And I do that by using functional lab assessments. I look at cortisol levels, DHEA, testosterone, all the different hormones. And if I need to go deeper, I'll look at gut health, 
digestive health, detoxification ability. So all that real fun, nerdy, nerdy stuff. And then, of course, I take a whole intake uh, from the women I'm working with. It's about 15 pages long to really, really learn what's going on with them and their whole uh, history and background and symptoms and anything I can't think of that might be a clue into figuring out why their symptoms are so bad and how we can resolve it. And how does functional medicine differ from, say, just a standard doctor? So the standard doctor, although very well educated, they don't always, you know, it's not black and white, but most doctors just don't see the whole picture. If you go into your doctor and say, I have stomach pain, they're not going to think about anything else around it that could be causing that issue. Same thing with headache and sleep and energy, you know, there's a pill for that. Where functional medicine is I'm going to look at the body as a whole and I'll use symptoms not to treat them, but I'll use them as clues to find out what's actually causing them. So the, the big difference is that I'm looking for the root cause to get rid of the symptoms. And a lot of times doctors will say, here, take a pill for that symptom. And, and then they're not actually taking care of that cause, you know, why it's actually occurring. So this is truly a holistic view of health and how the body functions and how all of the systems function together as opposed to just treating the symptoms, as you said. So that's fantastic. I don't think many people, I just myself found out about functional medicine probably in the past year and a half. How do you conduct the tests? You said, you know, we test for the gut health and we test all these different things. What are the tests? How do we find out what the root cause is? So, you know, after we go through an initial review, or it's called a case review, that's when I review all that paperwork and the intake forms. And then I actually talk with the client and figure out what the best course of action is going to be because I'm not a big believer in spending a ton of money if you don't need to. So let's only do the test that we need to do for your situation. The, you know, the way I do that is I use a lab that will mail the test to that person's house so I can work with people all over the country. Oh, wow. And then they do that lab at home, it's either saliva, urine, uh, or stool, or, or breath, you know, for, for SIBO. And so those four main labs can be done at home, and then they send it right back to the lab, and the lab gives me the report based on how, whatever the results are showing me is going to help me push the health plan in that direction and how that person has to heal. The, the basic foundation type of things that we're always going to do is we're going to look at nutrition, we're going to look at uh, stress reduction. We're going to look at, uh, you know, bedtime, sleep habits, and exercise. You know, are you doing too much or not enough? And those are really the main things I'm going to look at, uh, including whatever the labs show me. And then the supplements as well, based on what the labs are showing. But uh, supplements have to be working together with everything else that we do. Sure. And how did you get into all of this? Because you have a health story yourself. When you were 35, you were experiencing a long list of physical symptoms, right? Uh, sure was, yeah. That was uh, just a very stressful time in my life. Uh, I think I had a bunch of things leading up to that. Looking back, I had uh, signs and symptoms that like most people don't correlate to the body breaking down but i had little allergies here and there that started flaring up and i just thought i had different reactions to food as i got older but mm -hmm. there were there were really warning signs so um let's see about 35 36 i ended up uh, retiring from college coaching mm -hmm. and moving out to la mm -hmm. and then i ended up making another move to arizona and all that was just very stressful so i started having symptoms like fatigue and low libido and I had some weight gain in the midsection. That was not fun because I'm a pretty healthy, fit guy. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't used to that. 
and anything I ate that just didn't feel good just really had had a lot of bad reactions so I went to the doctor and this is hopefully you're not gonna laugh too much at me but I went to the doctor like everybody else and the labs came back with you know nothing you know the doctor labs they're showing that nothing is wrong with me and then it's all in my head so here's some Viagra and go talk to a therapist oh my god and that's so common these days yep you know yeah and and that was unfortunate and of course me being me in the health industry for for quite some time like oh that can't be right yeah so I I ended up finding uh, functional medicine uh, and I first got some education through functional diagnostic nutrition and I went into it for myself I worked with a mentor to obviously heal myself but then I also took the actual course as well so that I can start moving in that direction and helping other people with those issues and that was about four years ago so from there obviously more education more knowledge uh, and then you know a better direction and how how I want to help people. Sure. And so what did you discover were some of the root causes of the symptoms you were experiencing? Yeah, you know, I, I always forget to throw that in the story and people <laughs> always ask me. We, uh, want, we need to know. Details, Rich. Uh, Give us details. Detail. Well, you don't want all the details. Oh, but we yeah. do. No, we're crazy, remember? <laughs> did you hear? Yeah, we're crazy. Did you hear right. one episode we did recently that is like topping the charts was all about how um, sitting in a, in a bath of milk and the parasites coming out. Uh, so we need the details. Well, also because whatever you've experienced, there's other people that are going to experience the same thing. Yeah. So give us the deets. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I have no problem sharing the details. I've written about them. So what did I have? I had really low cortisol, which resulted in a complete hormone imbalance, meaning my testosterone was low, my melatonin was low. That's why I was having sleep issues. Uh, but of course, well, not of course, you don't know this, but having low melatonin could be a clue that I have gut issues as well because mm. most melatonin is, is produced in the gut. And so I did further testing and found out that I, in fact, did have uh, candida overgrowth mm-hmm. in my gut. I had bacterial overgrowth, so I had bacteria fungus. And that was completely, um, you know, just havoc on my system. And so I ended up using some, uh, like, biobotanicals, to kill them. I ended up talking to a doctor friend of mine who actually gave me some antibiotics as well, which I don't really believe in, but sometimes you need a little help. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, you need to follow that up with some good probiotic therapy to correct those issues in the gut that the antibiotics cause. Mm -hmm. And that all took probably about three to five months to start feeling better. Mm -hmm. But for me to really get into the shape that I was before, it took about a year, year and a half for me to completely heal and just to be able to eat what I want and drink what I want and not have to worry about it. Now, Rich, I have a question. You said your cortisol was low, but that you had experienced high stress. Did that make sense to you? So there are three stages. It's actually not even called uh, adrenal fatigue anymore. It's called HPA axis dysfunction. Mm. And HPA means hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So uh, everything going on in the brain down to the uh, kidneys or the adrenal glands. And so what happens when you're under stress is your body will respond and increase cortisol in the body, right, to deal with that stress. And usually at that time, you're very euphoric, you feel great, you're juggling all these things in your life, women are really good at this, <laughs> and, they, uh, and they're and they like, I've got it all going and I love it, and I don't, you know, I don't know what I, I could do with my life if I had less to do. 
That's a that's a typical cortisol junkie. That's me. However, yeah. <laughs> that is you. That is so me. Susie looked at me like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So what what happens at that point is that your body, and this is all genetic, your body can only maintain that high level to deal with that level of stress, good or bad. Stress is still stress, and you have to deal with it mm-hmm. for so long. And so eventually, you start going over that bell curve. And you start going down the curve into they used to call it stage two adrenal fatigue, but it's more of a more of a dysfunctional state mm-hmm. where your cortisol actually looks like it's at a normal level, but you're having symptoms, and that means that you're now not dealing with the stress the way you should. Mm-hmm. And if you don't deal with it at that point, and by the way, at that point, that's usually when people go to Doctor Google and find out what's wrong and start taking a bunch of supplements they shouldn't be. Um, this is my life. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that, so sorry to offend you if I did. Oh, I'm not offended. I'm excited. <laughs> I love learning. And then and then if you don't get it taken care of, you go into that exhaustion phase. And that's basically where I ended up in total exhaustion. Where now your cortisol is so low, you can't even deal with the stress in your life, let alone I obviously had stress in my body with the bacterial overgrowth. So it's trying to battle that and my outside environment. And that, you know, you break down. So I had all those symptoms. I know for a fact that I'm dealing with this. I have to go uh, <laughs> have my levels checked. No, I really do. I really do. I, I had a, uh, a chiropractor who did applied kinesiology tell me that my adrenals were being blown out. So so is it that your body produces so much cortisol that after a while it's like, I can't do this anymore, and then just gives up, and that's why the low cortisol comes about? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the in short a nutshell? story. In a nutshell? Yeah, in a nutshell. If you want to get into the biochemistry of it, uh, basically, and I'll go very basic. You have the, the you have cholesterol, which, by the way, for a long time people said you shouldn't have, but cholesterol is the foundation uh, of the production of what's called progesterone. And progesterone, called the mother hormone, either goes to cortisol or goes to DHEA. Mm-hmm. And DHEA has been converted to either estrogen or testosterone. Well, those are both really important hormones as far as. Uh, maintaining muscle mass, having high libido, getting good sleep and energy. And so if all that progesterone is being shuttled over to cortisol, guess where it isn't going? It's it's not going to DHEA. Mm. And then you're not getting testosterone or not getting estrogen. So yeah, it can be a real problem. Wow. That makes sense, though. I really need to hear this today. I'm so excited. So um, (laughs) what you guys don't know is I did just set up an appointment with a functional medicine doctor here in L.A., and I did have to fill out all the paperwork and do exactly as you said. And she said there's going to be these four tests, so I'm getting even more excited to go. Because as you're talking, I'm like, that's exactly what I do. I self-diagnose, I look online, or I talk to people, and I go, oh, well, obviously, I need this supplement. And then nothing (laughs) changes, and so I'm... I'm very, very excited to talk to you today. I've been the overachiever these last few months and the fatigue is hitting hard. I need a reset right now. So I'm really excited to talk to you. And I'm sure so many of our listeners can relate to this. Like there's so many people, women and men, who are just doing too much. And it might be fun and it might be great or it might be pure stress. Either way, it's not a way to live, right? No. Absolutely right. There has to be some balance. Yes, and I'm bad with the balance. Like, I feel like I'm balanced. I go to my meditation class or I'll go to my yoga class, so I'm like, I'm balanced, but (laughs) that's not true balance. It's just part of the process. So this is really great information. Thank you so much. I would love to get into um, helping women eliminate their PMS symptoms because I feel like there are so many 
natural cures out there, but it's just like you said, if you don't know the root cause, how are any of the so-called natural cures really going to help you when every body is different? And I feel like this is a particular thing that we've just accepted as that's just part of being woman. You're going to get PMS. Yeah. And you're going to be in pain and you're going to be a bitch and whatever. Or or weepy (laughs) and a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're going to be sad and, and tired and fatigued. And so, so what do you think, Rich? Are we destined for pain, sadness, and anger? <laughs> uh, a- absolutely not. And, and if you have any men that listen, I hope that they're opening up a beer right now. They're like, tell me more. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to tell my husband to listen. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. So I really started to move into that direction because as I was in the field, I just saw so many women feel better. They came to me for other reasons, uh, men as well, for bloating and fatigue and things that I kind of specialized in, but so many of them said that my PMS symptoms were going away. I'm like, that's fantastic. And so uh, my wife actually had some bad symptoms about a week and a half before her cycle or her special day. And, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she hated it. So I did some work with her. And after about six months, maybe seven, you know, her period came and she's like, that's kind of weird. I didn't have any symptoms leading up to it. And I'm like, no kidding. Because she didn't believe me. I just don't like believe you. you. <laughs> just like, I don't believe it. That, you know, this is just something that we deal with. And I, I'm like, you know what? We're one of the few, we're one of the countries in the world that does deal with it. There are plenty of women in the world that do not have PMS. Mm. And that's uh, PMS symptoms. And that's because their bodies are a little more healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not putting processed food in them all the time. They're not dealing with the stress that we deal with every day. Right. So the way I work or the process I'm going through is that if you're having these symptoms, you can eliminate them if we're finding out the root cause of other things going on in your body and correct that. Yes. So it's really an individualized approach, right, Rich? You can't say, take this pill, women, and it will be fixed. Yeah, I know. That's for the big pharmaceutical companies to do. I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, because everyone's going to be a little different, and everyone's going to have different symptoms. Uh, My my wife had some bloating. She would have acne and cramping. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, you two or anybody else listening might be completely different from that. Uh, So you to find out, yeah, what's going on. And if you don't mind sharing, what were um, some of the things that she had to change about her diet, lifestyle, supplements, etc., in order to start feeling better in those six or seven months? Yeah, so what we did is we ended up doing the adrenal stress test as well, and that's the the saliva one, really good at figuring out cortisol, DHEA, and the other hormones I, I mentioned earlier, and found out that her cortisol was really, really low. Now, she's a clinical nurse specialist, and she's an educator in a hospital, so uh, she can have some stressful days, and she's, like you women, very uh, just a cortisol junkie, always has to be doing something. She's very productive. Yes. So we actually implemented more meditation, some more yoga, which she likes doing anyway, mm-hmm. and we did throw in some supplements to help manage the morning because she was addicted to caffeine. Mm-hmm. And all that we're doing was just crushing her, her cortisol levels and adrenal glands even more. So we had to wean her off of that. Uh, we did do, because she has some skin issues, which a lot of times can point to food allergy or uh, some other gut issues. And so we did do a food allergy test, and that one's done with blood. You have to have blood drawn for that one. Uh, and she did have, did have some food allergies that we cut out, mm-hmm. and she got some great results from that. And overall, we just did a lifestyle change 
as far as the nutrition coming in, the exercise that she was doing, she was doing too much. So we actually pulled a little bit off on that. She wasn't allowing time for herself. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of supplements that we ended up throwing in to help her out. And by the end, obviously, she felt better. That's really great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, can we talk about food allergies? Because I feel like this is such a common thing that people aren't realizing they have because you go to an allergist and it's not the same as applied kinesiology, right? Sue, we've talked about this. I had a a shared office space with a chiropractor who practiced applied kinesiology, but this chiropractor actually helped me with a lot of stuff. One was a, a red wine allergy that I had Acquired, like, oh, acquired no. overnight. I know. <laughs> I never told you about this. No, this is the worst news ever. <laughs> well, no, there's a happy ending. So okay, good. I, I, like, we drink red wine. <laughs> I'd heard from other chiropractors, like, I don't believe in that. But this one doctor was recommended to me by a teacher I had, and she was like, he's great. Go see him. And I said, I trust you, so I'm going to go see him. And he actually helped me with a hip issue I was having with pain. In one session, walked in, had you know a tremendous amount of pain, and walked out, it was just a muscle spasm, walked out with like 80% of it gone. I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And I, and I was always asking him questions. It's basically a practice that's talked to chiropractors and it's based on acupuncture theory that your body systems can turn off and on and this methodology is to turn everything back on. Like kind of like a computer, some things can shut down. It's very interesting. Um, so I had developed almost overnight, this is many years ago, Allie, mm-hmm. it's, it's gone, <laughs> where goodness. I love red wine, I would have a sip and instantly have a headache and I was like "Uh uh-oh wow this is not usual I lived in Italy for a year I've always drank red wine like this is this is weird he reversed that for me um and then I also have how did he reverse it it's it's so basically it's through muscle testing Mm -hmm. so he can test what's going on and he and it's only to I tried to actually get certified in this because Uh I think it's fascinating but they only really teach it to chiropractors because you do have to be able to adjust bones Mm. and there's very few people that do it but it's through muscle testing it's through a series of tapping on certain acupressure points Uh and then retesting and it's it's its own wow. thing. And I would always pick his brain because I thought it was really really interesting. And as a, as an aside, um, I had a friend that was suffering tremendous amounts of food allergies. She couldn't eat soy. She couldn't eat gluten. She couldn't eat like sugar. She couldn't like it was just like pretty much she could eat everything. Lettuce. Good. She can't eat. <laughs> she couldn't eat anything. It was very um, challenging for her to go out to dinner, mm-hmm. and she would have immediate very intense allergic reactions. And oh, I said. Awful hey, you might want to check this out. It worked for me. And guess what? No food allergies? It reversed all of her food allergies. Wow. Wow. I mean, like I said, some people don't buy into it, but I know it, it worked for me. It yeah. worked for my friend. Yeah. And that's so it's kind cool. of fringe, fringe medicine, but I, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. But that's different than what you do. So anyway, you were just mentioning food allergies. <laughs> Have you ever heard of, of that, applied kinesiology? Do you believe food allergies yeah. can be reversed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the tools out there to reverse them are great. There's definitely more than one. I think if you find a good practitioner to do muscle testing and reverse it and it works for you, then then do it. The, the most common ways food allergies actually occur anyway is kind of what you were talking about. Uh, you said you had a hip issue, so that caused stress in the body, which could be closing off a point. And then obviously you, you have an allergic reaction to things you never had before. Uh, I look at it more internally, and I look at the gut lining and the damage that we can do to the gut due to stress and hormone imbalances. And then even foods such as gluten uh, and sugar, which I think we all eat way too much of, and that can break down the gut lining, causing inflammation. Mm-hmm. So I guess my methodology or my tool 
or school of thought is more biochemical and I'm thinking about how it's actually affecting the body internally mm-hmm. and then fits in it. And what are some of the most common food allergies you're seeing these days? I don't think you're going to be surprised. The, the gluten, mm-hmm. sugar, egg, nuts, corn, mm-hmm. soy, dairy. Those are going to be the big ones. Sugar, maybe not so much. That's more of an inflammation type of food. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other ones I mentioned, a lot of allergies to that stuff. And I usually have to have my clients uh, remove them for a period of time to see what the change is. Yeah, absolutely. It's like an elimination diet. Yep, absolutely. All right. We'll be right back with Rich's tips for better sleep, better energy, and better libido. Woohoo! This episode of Food Heals is sponsored by Sam Bucall, which I put in my smoothie just a few minutes ago before I started recording, and it was so delicious. So it's almost fall. You know what that means. Cooler weather, layers, all the fall flavors, a lot of pumpkin spice. It's like a mini reset, and it's a great time to assess our current wellness routines. What is serving us? What is not serving us? What can we add to our wellness routine? What can we get rid of, right? I love to find new products to aid me in my wellness journey, and this is where Sambucol comes in. So I've been taking the Sambucol Black Elderberry Syrup in the morning and sometimes in the afternoon to help support my immune system so I can keep doing what I need to do every day, which includes recording podcasts for you. It's a simple act of self-care that I can do without much effort, so easy to use daily because I can actually add it into my favorite foods and drinks, or I can just take it straight, either one. So you can add two tablespoons of the Sambu Call Black Elderberry Syrup to a green smoothie. It's sweet. It's delicious. It has a little kick of immune support and sweetness. And Sambu Call, what is it? It's made from premium European black elderberries, which are natural sources of powerful antioxidants and key vitamins that we need in our bodies like A, C, and E. These are nature's super berries that help support a healthy immune system so you can keep doing what it is you love to do. There are so many ways to get your daily dose of elderberry. You can use the syrup. They have gummies. They have chewable tablets. They have drink powders. They have capsules. I mean, Anything you want, you can have. All the products are vegan except the throat lozenges, lozenges which contain honey. But everything at Sambu Call is gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free, soy-free. No artificial colors or flavors. So check it out. My listeners, Food Heals Nation, you get 15% off your next order of $9.99 or more at sambucallusa.com. Use my promo code foodheals15 at checkout. And of course, when you're there, check out the blog and you can see all the recipes that you can make with the syrup, which is my favorite way to take Sambucall. But it's nice to have the gummies too. I can take those on the run. I take those on vacation when I'm out of town. But you can look at the blog and you can find some smoothies or mocktails or some healthy vegan baked goods. So again, coupon code foodheals 15 to get 15% off your order of $9.99 or more over at sambucallusa.com. All right, Rich. So what are some of your tips for better sleep, better energy, and a stronger libido? There's some really good tips out there. And I don't think I'm going to give you anything that's mind shattering and mind blowing like, wow, I don't know why I didn't think of that. (laughs) One of the big ones for sleep is we are all so attached to electronics today that looking at the blue screen on the TV, on your computer, on your phone actually 
doesn't allow melatonin to get produced in the body and the melatonin is that hormone that makes you sleep better yep and so if you can stop watching tv an hour hour and a half before bed or playing on your phone or ipad that would really be helpful to even just getting better sleep and i know it sounds ridiculous but I've helped a lot of people with that ridiculous tip get better sleep. No, it's so true. It affects you so much. And when you stop doing it, it's amazing. And I know I'm guilty of it. But when I make a conscious effort not to, everything is better. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would say another good one for getting good sleep, not only falling asleep, but then staying asleep, is avoiding those simple sugars in the evening, Mm -hmm. uh, like the desserts. Because what that's going to do is spike blood sugar, and then in the middle of the night, it's probably going to drop because you have a spike. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, it'll wake people up, and a lot of times, they'll wake up sweating, and they're like, what the heck is going on? Well, it was probably the ice cream sundae. You shouldn't have had it at (laughs) 9 o'clock before bed. Uh, So I would avoid that. If you are hungry, uh, I know usually women love almond butter. I don't know what it is about almond butter, but they love it. (laughs) Um, have some almond butter before bed because that, that'll be a long-lasting fat that could actually sustain energy and blood sugar management uh, through the evening. So those are some quick tips on sleep. I'll just jump to libido because I'm sure that's what people really want to know about. <laughs> um, so better libido, it, if you take some sugar out of your diet and add it, uh, add in protein and fat, that can actually help increase libido. Mm because it's going to keep your blood sugar more steady, which means you're not going up and down, which means hormones aren't going up and down. And I mentioned earlier a little bit of that biochemistry about cholesterol. Well, getting the good fats in is gonna give you good cholesterol, which can increase steroid hormone production, and that's eventually going to lead to increased testosterone, which for both men and women is for that libido. Uh, working out also is just huge, huge, huge. Uh, you said you're in L.A. I used to live in L.A. I mean, the Santa Monica stairs yep. could be a lot, a lot of fun for getting some good exercise and good views of the ocean, Gorgeous. of course. Yes. Um, and then I think people just probably train there, too, if I remember correctly, on the, the, the strand or... You know the little the little yeah, grassy knoll there. Yeah, yeah, there's a little grassy knoll, and then not far away there's the bike path. I mean, you move to Santa Monica, and you have to be fit. You're like not allowed. They kick you out because all people do there is exercise. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel that way living in Scottsdale now in Phoenix. Oh, so nice. everyone here is just always trying to stay active. So that in itself is really good for libido. Uh, all of those supplements and magic pills. Don't waste your money. Yeah. I mean, I, the marketing is phenomenal, right? Even I believe some of it. <laughs> um, but really, just don't waste your money. If you're having that hard of a time and, and doing those couple of things don't help as far as getting better sleep and eating better food, I should probably mention a lot more fiber to help move things out mm-hmm. and get all those toxins out. If that's still not working, then maybe you should talk to somebody and find out why it's not working. Yeah. It's always uh, lifestyle and diet, right? It's all what it comes down to. There is no magic pill. Of course, there's supplementation, but in general, it's like you got to get everything in check and then everything starts working. Yeah, completely right. And the way I use supplements is to correct problems. Mm-hmm. But of course, we go through a, a, an intake process and then use labs to find out where the problems are. I just don't start throwing things at people. Sure. And what about some causes of weight gain that maybe people aren't realizing? 
Yeah, so some causes of weight gain. I see this a lot, uh, unfortunately, in women where they're eating everything that they should be eating. They're working out regularly. And for some reason, things still aren't moving the way they want them to move. Mm -hmm. uh, I start to look at other external stuff like relationships, work. Like, are you happy? Yeah. Are you happy in life? Um, if you're not happy, your body won't be happy. I don't care how good of a diet you're giving it. Uh, it is responding to what what is going on in your brain. That is so true. And when you're eating, are you eating joyfully or are you eating in restriction and misery going, oh, I can only eat this tiny salad. And that's like, that doesn't do anything good for or the body. Or you're eating on the go or eating, yeah, you in know, a stressful standing situation. up. Or... I was reading research studies a couple of years ago about the psychology of food. And it actually showed the differences if somebody eats the same food under a stressful situation versus a happy, joyful situation, that the food response and the body response to that food will actually be different, mm -hmm. even though it's the same food. Um, so eating a food in a stressful situation, or I think one of you said standing up, like on the go, mm -hmm. your body's going to respond. You might actually get bloated from that, or you might not fully digest it versus a joyful situation. So true. It's like intentional eating and being intentional about what you're thinking at that moment of eating. And if you are going to eat the ice cream sundae, you better be enjoying it and not guilt tripping yourself <laughs> going, I'm so bad and horrible. Just be like, you know what? This is a great sundae and oh I'm going to enjoy it. I totally it. want a freaking sundae right now. <laughs> but joyfully, like I'm like, I haven't had a sundae. I can't remember. Well, guess long. what? Then you're allowed. I'm allowed. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. And people will come to me and say, I, I went on vacation mm. and I ate all this crap, but I didn't gain any weight. Yeah. Well, right. No work, no stress, no kids. If you have them, yeah, you're just enjoying everything. Yeah. Like people that go to Italy and they come back smaller, even though they ate way more food, <laughs> bread, pasta, wine. It's better you know? quality, though. Yeah, that's true, too. I'm going there next month, so I'll let you know. Nice. <laughs> All right. I hope you maybe that's the new like fad of cleansing. Instead of going away and doing a juice cleanse, you have to go away and go to Italy and eat your heart out. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, so good. I'm in. Um, all right, Rich, is there anything we haven't gotten to that you want to talk about today? Oh, man. I think we got a lot of great information out there. If anybody wants more information, my website has a ton of blogs and I'm always putting more up. And I also offer a four free week or a free four week course uh, about increasing energy and getting better sleep for you ladies with the PMS symptoms. And I have a free ebook on there as well, giving you five tips to increase energy. And my website is richjacobsfdn.com or myhealthdetective.com. Awesome. And if someone wants to work with you, you said you can work remotely with them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So typically, you know, nobody likes to pull the trigger right away. Typically, I, I offer a 30-minute free consultation, That's great. which you can find links on my site and we can schedule that. And I'll talk about the possibility of getting better and if it's a good fit for you and a good fit for me. And then we move forward from there. That's fabulous. And then you help um, find where people can get the test done in their area or by mail. How does that work? Uh, I mean, if you work with me, I have them mailed right to your doorstep. Fabulous. So I, we just figure out what you need and they'll get delivered to you. But like, right. what if what if it was a blood test? So I have to prick myself? No, no. So <laughs> the only blood test I use is for food allergy testing mm -hmm. and that kit will come to you and it'll actually give you uh, locations of where you can get blood drawn for that kit. 
Perfect. Okay, that's what I needed to know. I was like, it's not all <laughs> DIY, right? <laughs> no, no, Just no, open no. a vein, no. Allie. What's the problem? <laughs> Heck no, I'm scared. <laughs> I don't even let them do it. I like freak out. It's hard. Um, all right, can you leave us with something short and sweet for a tweetable? I would say follow the process in order to reach your goal. Most people are focusing on the goal instead of the process, and so you forget about the work that it takes to actually get better. Love it. All right. Tweet it to Rich at? My Coach Rich. Tweet it to Rich at My Coach Rich. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your post. Rich, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate it. Thank you, ladies, so much. I had a good time. True Leaf Market wants everyone to experience the joy of growing. That's why over half a million customers have chosen True Leaf Market Seed Company for their seed and growing needs. They carry a huge selection of vegetable garden seeds, herb seeds, and flower seeds, including heirloom, organic, and Asian seeds. They also carry specialty seeds, including seeds from microgreens, sprouting, wheatgrass, and even cover crops. They offer a large selection of growing supplies, growing kits, and gift ideas for indoor gardening as well. And the end of the gardening season is here, and it's the ideal time to rehab your garden soil by growing a cover crop. Cover crops have been used in agriculture for thousands of years as a way to naturally and sustainably improve soil quality. A lot of gardeners don't realize that they can grow cover crops and get the same benefits as large farms. Cover crops add organic biomass to the soil, keep soil bacteria healthy, add nutrients, attract pollinators and beneficial insects, improve soil structure and prevent erosion and so much more. Cover crops can be used in backyard gardens, raised beds and even container gardens. And cover crop seeds are actually very inexpensive, especially if you use my Food Heals discount code over at trueleafmarket.com. Use the promo code FH15 FH as in food heals, FH15 to save 15% off on your cover crop seeds. Simply plant your cover crop seeds at the end of the gardening season, which is right now, and let winter kill or terminate the crop, and Mother Nature will do the rest. Get a free PDF beginner's guide to growing cover crops at trueleafmarket.com and just put in the search cover crop guide and it'll pop right up. Again, use my discount code FH15 over at trueleafmarket.com to save 15% off your cover crop seeds. Some restrictions apply. It expires at the end of December 2022. Limit one per customer. He is author of the award-winning book, Adrenaline Dominance, A Revolutionary Approach to Wellness. And this is actually the book that drug companies don't want you to read. I'm so excited to find out more. Please welcome today's guest, Dr. Michael Flatt. Hi there. I'm so glad to have you on, and I'm so excited for your beautiful book that I'm holding in your hands right now, Adrenaline Dominance. It's a revolutionary approach to wellness. And, you know, Dr. Platt, I would love for you to take us back to how you got into this and how you got into basically writing a book that the doctors don't want you to read. Well, I guess initially I got involved with hormones. My mother died of breast cancer. Mm, Uh, This is back in 1980. Mm-hmm. And I realized right after she died that I had actually inherited her hormones. Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't realize that men and women have the identical hormones, different levels, but exactly the same hormones. From our parents or, or, or you mean well, hom- men and women in general? Well, hormones are always inherited. Okay. But men and women have the same type of hormones. 
Okay. And that's how initially I got involved with hormones. And going back at that time, I noticed that when I was driving, just about every time I was driving, I would have to slap my face trying to keep my eyes open. So mm-hmm. I realized that I was overproducing insulin, you know, which lowers sugar. And my mother had a belly on her. You know, she was thin everywhere else except her belly. And, and the only thing that puts on fat around the middle is insulin. And she also had breast cancer. So I realized at the time that she was also low in progesterone because, you know, breast cancer is caused by estrogen. So I figured if she was low in progesterone, that I might be low in progesterone. Anyway, I started using progesterone cream myself and I never got sleepy again. I'm like, you know, when I was driving. Wow. So then I started trying to find out everything I could about hormones. And, and that, that's what started me on, on my road to trying to get people well, because hormones control everything in the body, everything. And, and doctors actually get very little training in hormones. Right. Just like they get very little training in nutrition. And so they can't give us a holistic perspective on our health. So I'm really glad that mm-hmm. we're talking about this today. And um, tell me more about the progesterone and what it can do, because I know that some people may not be low in it. Is it something everyone should be taking or is it something we get tested for and then we know if we should be taking it? Can you let me know well, a little bit about that? What's interesting, they, they have certain normal levels for hormones. And, and when it comes to progesterone, you know, theoretically, the, a normal level of progesterone is somewhere between 24 and, and 26 uh, nanograms, which occurs on, on day 21 of the cycle. And yet in my entire experience with, with mm-hmm. testing women, I've never ever had to come across a woman that ha- actually had a normal level of progesterone. You know, but when it comes to hormones, I have always preferred treating people rather than lab tests because you can never go wrong treating a person, but you can go awfully wrong treating a lab test. But any woman that complains about having cramps or PMS or has fibroids or endometriosis or breast tenderness, whatever with her periods, then the likelihood is, is that she's low in progesterone. Um, are there people who are not low in progesterone that don't have those problems? Because <laughs> I, I need to know. Probably it happens. It's rare. <laughs> but <it> probably, <laughs> all those doctors think progesterone is a woman's hormone. But again, mm-hmm. men and women have the identical hormones. And it's also thought as a hormone that blocks estrogen, and it does. But what doctors and other people don't realize, it also blocks insulin. It also blocks adrenaline. And these are probably the three most toxic hormones in the body, estrogen, insulin, and adrenaline. And progesterone blocks all three of them. So it's really a very helpful hormone. Got Uh, it. Okay. And I was taught that 90% of a diagnosis is just sitting down talking to a patient. And what's interesting, doctors very rarely sit down and talk to patients. If anything, they, they look at lab tests and they're basically treating lab tests rather than people. Right. And you only get 20 minutes in a traditional doctor's office. You know, you're not getting that longer conversation and getting a comprehensive look at someone's health. Well, if you want a more frightening statistic, uh, if a patient is sitting in in a treatment room and a doctor walks in within 18 seconds, he knows what drug he's going to prescribe. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. And 20 minutes. I I don't remember the last time a doctor spent 20 minutes with anyone. But I used to spend about two hours with each patient. And that Mm -hmm. gave a really lot of information about how the body operates. And I've written several books and a manual, but if you ever read any of my books, you'll notice there are, there are no references in my book. And, and the reason for that is just about everything I've learned about hormones, I've learned from my patients, just sitting down talking to them, observing. But me- medicine has always been a passion for me. But, you know, we, we talked about the fact that hormones control just about every system in the body and doctors get very little training in it, especially gynecologists, by the way. 
But the other thing that doctors don't get training in is treating the cause of illness. <laughs> mm-hmm. They've been trained just to give out Band-Aids. Uh, right, right. I know I'm talking to the choir here, but, um, <laughs> you know, but when it comes to adrenaline, and we'll get into this, you know, adrenaline is the underlying cause of many conditions that are in, and a lot of them are felt to be incurable. So it, it's a nice hormone to have knowledge of. And it was because I was able to sit down and talk to patients and, and put links together that I became enamored with treating adrenaline, which is my specialty. Well, thank goodness you did. And thank gosh, there's people out there like you who are doing this because these are the things that, you know, we need to be talking about that we're not. Even when we started and you said the breast cancer was an excess of estrogen, you know, that is not something that people are always talking about. So I would love for you to kind of take us through this process and break it down for us. Because first of all, how do we know if we have let's say excess adrenaline or an imbalance in our hormones or not enough progesterone or too much of anything, how do we even get started? It's an excellent question. Well, like I say, if women have problems with cramps or PMS or breast tenderness, uh, menstrual migraines, um, if they have fibroids, endometriosis, I mean, these are all signs and symptoms of, of having too much estrogen. Okay. And what's nice about progesterone, it, it protects women from all these things, but there are a lot of women on birth control pills. Right. You know, when women are taking birth control pills or, or have hormonal IUDs put in, they stop ovulating. Mm-hmm. And it's only when women ovulate that they produce progesterone. So, you know, what they're doing, they're taking away the most protective hormone that they have. So women that are on hormonal birth control devices or pills, they know they have no progesterone. So they know they're going to have problems. This is so important. Yeah. For people to realize, I'm so glad that you brought this up. I, thank goodness, have not taken any birth control since I was in college when that's what everyone was doing. And we just did it as literally, I wasn't even sexually active and my parents put me on it because that was what you did for your kids when I was 18 years old. And I think it is a travesty because I know the stats now, I know that it is not good for us, but this is what's happening. It's in free clinics now for you know, young kids to start getting on birth control. And I think it's wrong, but it is what's happening. And so when I tell people, even, you know, my age, late thirties, I won and they say, well, what are my options? What can we do? Can someone be on birth control and take a progesterone cream to counteract that effect? Or is there another solution? Like, what would you recommend to women who say, well, I, I need this. I have to be on this. Well, anybody on birth control pills who will not get off them, then definitely I would recommend that they be on on a natural progesterone uh, cream, not a pill, cream. But if somebody was to say to me, what would you recommend for birth control? Then the only thing that I would recommend other than contraceptives is a non-hormonal IUD. And this is called a copper seven IUD. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's the only IUD that I'm aware of that doesn't have hormones. So that's one that I would recommend. Okay. So that's the top pick from Dr. Platt. Thank you very much, ladies. I hope you're listening. (laughs) Well, it's 98% effective in terms of preventing uh, uh, conception, which is the same thing as birth control pills. Great. Okay. So let's go back to the hormones. So we realize that we are out of balance if we are feeling those symptoms that you mentioned earlier. Um, what is the protocol? What should we do? You're talking about estrogen. And again, the, uh, th- this is where progesterone comes in. Okay. Most 
people that use progesterone, or most women that use it, they cycle it. In other words, uh, they might skip the first two weeks and take it during the latter two weeks. When it comes to progesterone, I don't recommend cycling it. I have women use it every day. And the reason for that is that it's very rare that a woman only has problems related to excess estrogen. They very often also have problems with too much insulin and too much progesterone. And those mm-hmm. are hormones that are produced every day. So that's why I don't cycle it. The only time that I would maybe have women cut back on it in the first seven to 10 days is if they're trying to get pregnant. Okay. Because there, there is a certain amount of progesterone that will prevent them from getting pregnant. So it'll prevent ovulation. Okay. Uh, but aside from that, I just have people use it every day. Okay. And so you have your book and you have a cream. And is that something that you recommend everyone check out? Like, how do we know how much we need? Can you take us through that? Well, one of the nice things about progesterone is it's very hard to overdose on it. Great. That's my favorite kind of, you know, nutrition or hormone or anything. Can't overdose. You know, when when women are pregnant, the placenta pours out progesterone. Uh, mm-hmm. Huge amounts of progesterone, uh, you know, levels that cannot be duplicated, you know, by by taking it uh, by cream. And keep in mind that the fetus gets exposed to incredibly high levels of progesterone. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, understand that if a fetus can tolerate extremely high levels of progesterone, then just about anybody can. And you know what's interesting, what people don't realize is that when it comes to excess adrenaline. You know, women that are pregnant and they have a baby that's doing a lot of kicking in the womb, that's adrenaline, actually. And usually the babies that will have colic when they're born, because colic is also caused by excess adrenaline. And if you have a baby with colic and you take some progesterone cream and you rub it on the baby's belly, in about three minutes, the colic is gone. So women don't have to stay up all night with a crying baby. Oh, that's amazing. I have about four or five friends right now with newborns. So I need to make sure they listen to this episode ASAP. And I know you say that excess adrenaline is also the reason why many women vomit throughout all nine months of their pregnancy, right? You know, when women have what they call morning sickness in the first three months, that's due to estrogen. Okay. And what's interesting is that progesterone can also prevent that because it's an anti-estrogen hormone. But when women go into the second and third uh, trimesters, if they continue to have nausea or nausea and vomiting, the only thing that causes that is excess adrenaline. The treatment, again, would be progesterone and eating correctly, which we'll go into in a little bit. But it's considered incurable. But that's because, again, doctors have a, don't have as much of an understanding about hormones as they should. So then you have the newborns with their colic. And then there's something called the terrible twos, mm-hmm. which is also caused by excess adrenaline. So the kids have excess adrenaline? Yeah. And, and they later on, uh, you may have heard of uh, children that are bedwetters. Mm-hmm. The only thing that causes bedwetting is excess adrenaline. And you can give, actually get rid of bedwetting in a child uh, in 24 hours rather than having them to deal with it for years. Wow. And then now we're coming to something called ADHD. And ADHD is all about adrenaline. And you can actually get rid of ADHD in 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. You know, so... Wouldn't it be nice if the medical system really had some interest in, in adrenaline? And yes, it would be great. <laughs> but you know, the, the problem is, is that when it comes to treating problems related to excess adrenaline, it's done without the use of drugs. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, as you know, big pharma controls medicine. You know, they control right. what doctors learn in medical school. They control the medical boards. They control the FDA. They control medicine. So here you have an entity, an entity that has no interest in people being healthy that controls medicine. Right. 
So not a perfect world. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is why we do this show, because we want to talk to people like you who are doing it the right way and with no agenda other than to help people. So I'm so glad that you're here to talk about this. And can you just a little bit go back and define adrenaline for us? Because when I think of it, I think of adrenaline as, you know, the fight or flight response or when I'm just like, go, go, go. I have so much to do. I'm going to drink my coffee and get through my day just rushing around. Is that a good description of what adrenaline is or is there something deeper to it? Well, there is something deeper, but you're correct. It's basically known as the fight or flight hormone. And this is a situation that occurs when people are in danger. Mm-hmm. And But actually, um, dealing with danger is a very small part of what adrenaline does. It's an important part of what it does, but it's a very small part. What most people do not realize is that the major function of adrenaline is not because of danger. Uh, the major function of adrenaline is just to make sure the brain has enough fuel. Mm-hmm. The brain actually uses more sugar per weight than any other part of the body. And people have heard the term hypoglycemia, which means a lot mm-hmm. blood sugar. When you take sugar away from the brain and people become hypoglycemic, you know, they get real sleepy. In fact, if they're driving, they can fall asleep when they're driving. Right. So that's a low blood sugar. But anytime the body detects that the brain does not have enough fuel, just automatically it puts out adrenaline. And through a process called gluconeogenesis, it creates glucose so the brain can function. And, you know, from a certain standpoint, that really is probably a survival concern just to make sure right. the brain can function. But that's the main function of adrenaline is just to raise sugar levels for the brain. And so when our body is drawing from that glucose rather than sugar, you're talking about the sugar like that we naturally produce. You're not talking about go eat sugar so that you don't have to be in this state, right? Uh, actually, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of different types of sugar. Yeah. You know, so the sugar that I'm talking about for the brain is glucose. That's the only sugar that it uses. You know, there's fructose from fruit and there's maltose and galactose and lactose and all sorts of different types of sugar. But the only sugar that the brain uses is glucose. And that's what the adrenaline produces. Now, adrenaline is is both a hormone as well as a neurotransmitter. And they both have different functions. But adrenaline, either as a hormone or a neurotransmitter, is a very powerful substance. So, you know, you've heard of women that lift cars up off, you know, off their child or something that adrenaline gives them that. But, you know, professional athletes depend on adrenaline so they can perform. And people in the military and, and law enforcement have lots of adrenaline to begin with. Right. So it's important in terms of how we function. And some people live on adrenaline. You know, those people, especially those people that are not eating correctly, they depend on adrenaline to get them to function. And are you seeing in the modern day that because of the high-powered lifestyles, fast-paced lives that we are currently leading, that this is a growing epidemic of this excess adrenaline? Is it changing? Well, it it is changing, uh, probably more because of the way we're eating. In the old days, people had no other choice. They had to eat healthfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't all this processed junk everywhere. Exactly. You know, so, so nowadays people are eating foods that sometimes very high in sugar. And the thing about sugar, uh, it stimulates insulin. And when insulin goes up, blood sugar drops. And when blood sugar drops, the body puts out more adrenaline. So that's why one of the ways of approaching problems with elevated adrenaline levels is to just provide the brain with the right fuel, the right natural type foods. 
and you can get a significant lowering of adrenaline within 24 hours. Food Heals Nation, did you know that our cycles aren't supposed to make us feel miserable? That's something that I'm talking about with Dr. Michael Platt today. And did you know that the most common reason for PMS is due to inadequate production of progesterone. Progesterone is manufactured in the ovaries, adrenal glands, and during pregnancy. For women, progesterone is important for the regulation of ovulation and menstruation. High levels of stress, like from a poor diet or a low-carb or low-calorie diet or excessive exercise or even lack of sleep or anxiety, your progesterone levels can decrease and your hormone levels can become even more imbalanced. So maintaining healthy progesterone levels means more than just a healthy menstrual cycle and healthy fertility. An unbalanced ratio of progesterone and estrogen levels are responsible for those PMS symptoms like mood like mood swings, like acne, like bloating, like breast tenderness, and more. That's why I love Harmony by Organifi. This is their decadent dark chocolate mix that is made for women. It is designed to support women's health using traditional herbs and adaptogens. It is meant to balance our hormones. It is meant to get rid of those pesky PMS symptoms with amazing ingredients like maca, cocoa, chastity tree berry, shatavari, stinging nettle, turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and so much more. Let Organifi's cacao blend of harmony help you to feel like you again. Now, there will be an Organifi Harmony flash sale. So mark your calendars for 926 to 928, September 26th to September 28th. And if you buy a green juice, you're going to get 40% off your Harmony. Now, I also have to tell you that we're saying goodbye to Glow as of September 30th. So use this month to stock up on your Organifi Glow. Glow will be gone until next summer. You remember Glow, it's your favorite strawberry or raspberry lemonade, and it's best for beauty because our best complexion starts from the inside. So when you drink Glow daily, you hydrate your skin and support your body's natural collagen production. It's 100% organic. It supports your hydration and collagen production and skin elasticity. It protects from sun exposure and toxins. And the tremella mushroom, which is one of the key ingredients, provides five times the hydration of hyaluronic acid, which is extremely popular in top-selling skincare products due to its hydration effects. So check it out. You know my discount code. Everything is over at OrganifiShop.com slash Food Heals and use the discount code Food Heals to save 20% off your order. Okay, let's talk about the healing foods to lower adrenaline. Well, okay, in order to understand what needs to be done, people have to understand that the brain uses two different fuels. You know, mm-hmm. one we talked about, one is glucose. Mm-hmm. But the other fuel, which might even be more important, but at least as important, uh, are ketones. And yep. I'm sure every one of your listeners has heard of a ketogenic diet, right? which I don't recommend because I couldn't do it. It's too tough. But you don't have to be on a ketogenic diet to have ketones because you know coconut oil is a good source of ketones. And mm-hmm. even a better source of ketones is what's called MCT oil. Yes. 
And MCTO actually uh, is derived from coconut oil, but it has slightly mm-hmm. more ketones than coconut oil by itself. So when people have problems with excess adrenaline, it's imperative that they start providing the right fuel to the brain in order to lower their adrenaline level. So what are some of the fuels for the brain? Uh, when it comes to glucose, you know, I wish I could say candy and soda, <laughs> which are great sources of glucose, but the problem is they also stimulate a lot of insulin. That's referred to as being highly glycemic. They produce a lot of insulin. Vegetables are actually probably the best source of glucose for the brain. And the reason for that is that they're relatively low glycemic. In fact, green vegetables are like zero glycemic. They don't produce any insulin at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so vegetables are a great source of glucose for the brain. And then coconut oil is better for cooking because it has a high heat threshold. And then MCT oil can be added to anything. A lot of people know about bulletproof coffee, mm-hmm. but it can be put into yogurt and sweet potatoes, which are really the best potato, cooked potato in terms of glycemic index. But the, the way to, to do sweet potatoes is to slice them up and fry them in coconut oil. Yum. Mm-hmm. And I'm down for that. Uh, yeah. So once people are providing the right fuel to the brain, and also, in addition, using progesterone to block adrenaline, they get really almost immediate improvement in terms of whatever problems that they're having. Amazing. Okay. So here's my question. And this is my personal question, because I do do the things that you said. I eat lots of veggies, lots of greens. I do do coconut oil and MCT oil. And I also practice intermittent fasting. But I don't do the keto thing necessarily. So what's your opinion on intermittent fasting? Because quick story, of a holistic doctor years ago told me, you have low blood sugar, you need to eat all the time or, you know, munch and have nuts throughout the day and all the things. And I was doing it for a while, Dr. Platt, but I did not feel good. And then when I tried the fasting, I actually felt better. And so I believe that there's no perfect diet or you know, lifestyle for everyone. I believe we find the one that works for us with a lot of principles that are universal, but we, you know, we all have different food allergies and sensitivities and things like that. So just because something is perfect for me doesn't mean it's perfect for you for the next person, blah, blah, blah. But um, what do you think of the, the fasting concept when it comes to all of this? Is this something that is good for our hormones or is this something that can mess us up or does it really depend on the person and their individuality? Well, you're right. Everybody's a little bit different and whatever works. Uh, you know, for example, there, there are some people that do a lot of exercise. And the problem with exercise, if it's basically aerobic exercising, is that the muscles are burning up the same fuel that the brain needs. Oh, and, okay. And so these people may not be able to get away with intermittent fasting because they just need more glucose. The other thing is, the reason why it really depends on the person, there are a lot of people that wake up during the night, especially right around 2.30 in the morning when, when adrenaline peaks. And, you know, they can try intermittent fasting, but the problem is, is that there are a lot of people that are what I call creative type brains. You know, these are the people that are in the music industry or people in the acting industry or people that are interior designers or people, even creative financers. You know, there's a lot of different types of creativity, but the creative brain requires a lot more fuel than a typical brain. Okay. So these people may not be able to get away with intermittent fasting. They're going to probably going to need something to eat right before they go to sleep. Huh. And the reason for that is that right around 2.30 in the morning when, when adrenaline peaks, a lot of people get up at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people get up at that time to urinate because adrenaline gives people that urge to urinate. 
you know, on television, the advertisements call it an overactive bladder, but that's adrenaline. Okay. And some women yeah. are actually getting Botox injections in the bladder to relieve that, which means that for the next three what? months, they have to self-catheterize themselves until the Botox wears off. That's insane. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it is. <laughs> I haven't heard of this one yet. I've heard of a lot. Wow. Okay. No, but just by lowering adrenaline, you get rid of that so-called overactive bladder. But creative people, you know, these are the ones that have the most adrenaline. That's why when it comes to bedwetting and children, you only see that in creative type children. When it comes to women that vomit throughout the entire pregnancy, you only see that in creative type women. You know, again, because creative people have the most adrenaline. Okay. So this is me, 100%. Um, <laughs> I am the creative. I get up at 2.30 to pee, or I'm not sure what time, but definitely like one time in the middle of the night, for sure. But I never subscribe to the overactive bladder BS. I just, you know, assume I drank too much water that day because I love to hydrate. So if someone like me is going to get up and I'm realizing, okay, I have, you know, adrenaline dominance or I have too much adrenaline. Uh, the title of your book is Adrenaline Dominance. Um, so is progesterone the answer? And is that something that will make us not get up in the middle of the night? Is that something that will calm us down so that we're not activating in that you know, fight or flight mode so much. Well, keep in mind, you know, progesterone blocks adrenaline. Blocks completely? It blocks, yeah, completely. Well, I just, well, what? It, it depends on the amount of adrenaline. You know, if, if somebody's in a fight or flight response because of danger, the progesterone will, won't eliminate that. It just. So we can still lift the car <laughs> if we need to. Exactly. You know, so progesterone, for example, if somebody has a lot of adrenaline and they start using progesterone right away, they're going to feel a lot more relaxed and they'll be able to focus a lot better. Their mind won't be racing as quickly. The, uh, right. And there are a lot of people that have excess adrenaline. They, they carry tension in the back of their neck. And, mm -hmm. uh, and this tense muscles can kind of cut off the circulation to the inner ear and cause ringing. They call that tinnitus. There's a certain type of headache called occipital neuritis, which is caused by excess adrenaline. And these kind of headaches are always mistaken for migraine. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not migraine headaches. They're severe headaches, but they're not migraines. And these are easy headaches to eliminate just by putting progesterone cream on the back of the neck. And these are more common than migraine headaches, but nobody ever hears of them. You know, everybody hears about migraine headaches, but these are the kind of headaches that, that shoot right into the back of the eye and cause a visual field defect. They can be associated with nausea and vomiting. That's why they're always mistaken for migraine, but they're not migraine mm -hmm. headaches. And then people go and take whatever the doctor prescribed current migraine pill is, and they're not truly treating the root cause. Right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You know, once people are aware of what adrenaline does, uh, it answers a lot of questions for people. You know, when it comes to a condition like fibromyalgia, and there are 10 million people in this country with fibromyalgia, and just mm. about every one of them have been told there's no cure for it. Right. But I tell people that have fibromyalgia, if they're going to have chronic pain, this is the best condition they can have because it's the easiest chronic pain condition to get rid of. Again, just by lowering adrenaline. Uh, wow. What happens is the adrenaline makes the muscle tense. You know, it's a fight or flight hormone. When people keep muscle tense, they're cutting off the circulation, the little veins that carry lactic acid out of the muscles and cutting off the lymphatic circulation, which carries lactic acid out of the muscles. So the acid just sits there and causes pain. And because they're keeping muscle tense all the time, they use up a tremendous amount of energy. So those are the two things people with fibromyalgia complain of, you know, pain and, and fatigue. But it's all related to excess adrenaline. This is such good information. I'm so excited to share this with my audience. So I'm thinking now like, okay, so what do we do? You have the plat 
Micro Cream. And I know for me, like I've been to functional medicine doctors where they've tested my hormones and I personally had to go. And at that time, you know, it was years ago, I balanced myself by taking some creams, but they were prescription. Do we have to go get a prescription or can we buy this off your website? And how much do we take? Like, what is this process of getting started? Well, the cream that we have is a 5% strength. 5% means that each pump is 50 milligrams. And 50 milligrams is the exact strength you need to block adrenaline. Okay. I could have had a higher strength, but it wasn't necessary. This is the exact strength you need. And people can get it without a prescription, even though it's a therapeutic strength. Most over-the-counter progesterone, you know, they're too weak. They don't block adrenaline. Okay. And in fact, they have a hard time blocking estrogen. They can actually go to estrogen receptor sites and act like estrogen when they're 2% or less. So basically, what's nice about treating problems related to excess adrenaline is that people can do it on their own. They don't need a doctor. Uh, Wow. So it's just a matter of eating correctly and using the uh, progesterone cream. Like I say, within 24 hours, you can get significant relief. You know, children with autism have incredibly high levels of adrenaline. Mm. This is why they're actually so intelligent. (laughs) People don't realize that people with autism are extremely intelligent. They can memorize a phone book. Wow. But they have, you know, real high levels of adrenaline. That's why they avoid any type of uh, stimuli because it's just too much for them. But they respond wonderfully to lowering adrenaline by eating correctly and using progesterone cream. So it seems like... The excess adrenaline is the root cause of so many of our chronic conditions that just are labeled as whatever they might be. You know, on the back of your book, you say ADHD and fibromyalgia, anger, depression, anxiety, which I know anxiety and depression are so prevalent in our society. You also have interstitial cystitis, insomnia. RLS, bipolar disorders, PTSD, and severe PMS, which I know plenty of women who suffer from. So it sounds like this is like a real underlying, under-talked-about cause. It's really, truly, I guess, almost scary to think that Mm. the whole medical system has been ignoring adrenaline for so long. You know, my book, Adrenaline Dominance, is the only book that's ever been written that talks about the clinical consequences of too much adrenaline. Wow. And, you know, people have asked me, how come it's been sort of ignored for so long? And I don't have an answer. Follow the money, people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll say it so you don't have to. But, you know, you know, believe it or not, some of your listeners might even be concerned about weight gain. Yeah, let's talk about that. No one wants to gain weight on food heels. (laughs) Well, what, what probably is not appreciated is the fact that excess adrenaline is probably the number one cause of weight gain. Because the thing about adrenaline, like I say, usually peaks around 2.30 in the morning when people are in bed. And and the reason why the body is releasing adrenaline is to raise sugar levels. And the thing about sugar, it doesn't matter whether you're eating sugar or whether the body is producing it. If you don't burn it up, the body will store the sugar as fat in your fat cells. And when the body releases adrenaline, it creates stress. And the body responds to stress by putting out another hormone called cortisol. Mm-hmm. And the first thing cortisol does, it also raises sugar levels through a different process called glycogenolysis. So while people are lying in bed, they're putting out two hormones that raise sugar levels and they're not burning it up because they're just lying there. And it's mm-hmm. probably the number one cause of weight gain and nobody ever talks about. It. And this is especially true of creative type people because remember, they're the ones with the most adrenaline. 
Right. You know, you've heard the term ADHD, and then they have another term called ADD, which is attention deficit disorder. And these are kids that are trouble focusing, but they're not hyperactive. These Mm -hmm. are the creative type children. And people with ADD always have problems with excess weight because, Uh you know, they're the ones putting out all this adrenaline that keeps on raising sugar levels, but they're not burning up the sugar because they're not active. Kids with ADHD are hyperactive, they burn up their sugar. Mm. And then, if you want to go one step further, then you have people that have both types of ADHD. You have ADHD plus ADD, which I call the mixed type ADHD. And these are the most successful people in the world. The heads of every major corporation have two different types of ADHD. And I expect that very few of them, if any, have ever finished college, by the way. And yet they're the heads of corporations. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I, I just want to mention the whole thing about ADHD, which is ignored by schools and doctors that you know, ADHD is not a learning disorder, even though that's how, you know, they, they describe it. It's a learning disorder. I know. I hate that. Um, you know, it's an interest disorder. If these children are interested, they will focus. If they're not interested, they will not focus. They'll get distracted because their mind goes so quickly. So, you know, when you try to teach a child algebra in high school and they have no interest in it, they're going to have a real hard time. And this is a subject that they'll never use once they leave high school. Exactly. It's so backwards. Yeah. So ADHD, you know, in my book, I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to adrenaline. The only thing I put in the good section is ADHD because the most intelligent, successful, creative people in the world have ADHD. All doctors have ADHD. All lawyers have ADHD. I love that. Yeah. I love that you can look at it as from such a positive lens because yeah, you can be extremely successful and calling it a disorder only, you know, that's telling people that something is wrong with them. And that is Absolutely ridiculous. Especially when they put them on drugs. They have literally millions and millions of children on drugs for ADHD. Oh, that's Um, so wrong. In fact, they even have millions of children that are like one and two years old that are on psychoactive drugs. Millions of children we're talking about. Right. And then, you know, some of the drugs are depressants, but a lot of them are stimulants like the Adderall that's overprescribed. And doesn't that raise the adrenal levels? (laughs) You're absolutely right. Ritalin, Adderall, Stratera, whatever, they markedly increase adrenaline levels. And children that don't have ADHD, if you give them these drugs, it will give them ADHD. But the reason why they use it, it actually numbs the brain, overwhelms the brain with adrenaline, and the brain just stops functioning. And this is why children on these drugs do not like these drugs. They're toxic. And, And one of the side effects of these drugs is sudden death, by the way. I know. It's terrifying. I mean... Don't get me started. We know that it is so wrong to drug our children at the rates that we are. But let me just ask you, if there was a parent listening and they're like, hey, my kid was diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, what would you recommend that they did right away? If they were like, we're good, we're not going to say yes to the drugs, but we got to do something to make sure that they're supported. Put them on a meal plan to lower adrenaline and start using progesterone cream and wean them off their drugs. And that's it. Okay. And so in your book, I know that you explain what it is and you talk about you know, a plan. So is the entire plan for diet and everything in the book as well? It is. And if your listeners want it, they can always get in touch with my office or my website and we'll send them a meal plan to lower adrenaline. Amazing. And can people work with you directly? I know that your goal is to take our health into our own hands and empower ourselves that we can heal ourselves. But what if people, you know, have next level and they just want to directly work with you? How would that work? Well, I have what I call a wellness program. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. It's $400 a year. I am not pushing that, but 
Uh, it's it's for, why well, ask so we can talk about it. Well, it, it's you know it's for people that need a little bit more coaching, if you will. Yeah. And it starts out with a 90 or 120 minute consultation, but they have access to me as often as they want for the next year. That's amazing. Yeah. But sometimes reading the book is enough to give them enough information that they can do everything on their own, which is what I was trying to do. Yeah. I mean, even interviewing you right now, mm -hmm. I'm like, where do I buy the cream? I'm on the website looking for it, you know, so <laughs> might be enough just to get people started, right? Exactly. You know, if, even when it comes to addiction, you know, people that have a lot of adrenaline get into involved with drugs and alcohol just to relax, just to chill out. This is why I drink wine. Well, look at the music industry and it probably every week somebody dies of an overdose of drugs. Right. But remember, these are creative type people. And I'm going to repeat, creative people had the most adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And even when these people go into drug rehab or detox, whatever, they don't talk to them about why they get involved with drugs. They just detox them, let them go, because th these are repeat customers, you know, which is very lucrative for these. But nobody ever talks about treating the cause of these illnesses. And that's probably our biggest deficit when it comes to our whole medical system, that doctors do not treat the cause of illness. Not agree more. And... Another thing I've noticed about the rehab centers is often they are treating an addiction and then they're getting them addicted to something else like <laughs> caffeine and cigarettes. And you're like, how is this helpful? <laughs> you're just transferring the addiction to something else completely unhealthy, right? That's exactly right. And tell me about coffee and adrenals. You know, caffeine is a stimulant. Right. But it's also one of the few things that is relatively healthy for people, actually. And so I don't have a problem with people drinking coffee. If they have a lot of adrenaline, they may not tolerate it. But remember, it only takes a very short period of time to lower adrenaline. You know, that's not an issue. Caffeine is fine. No problem. Right. But, you know, when it comes to depression, the only cause of anxiety is excess adrenaline. But people that have depression, you know, again, there are two different types of depression. You know, one is what's called a reactive depression. You know, for example, somebody in the family dies or a pet dies or somebody loses mm -hmm. their job. You know, they react to what, what happened to them. Right. And their attention time is probably the best thing for them. But the other cause of depression is what's called endogenous. People are depressed, but they don't know why they're depressed. And the most mm -hmm. common cause of this is internalization of anger. And the most common cause of anger is adrenaline. It's an anger hormone. You know, that's where road rage comes in. So again, excess adrenaline is a very common cause of depression. And all these things are easy to fix. So question for you, when you say that the excess adrenaline is the cause of these things like anxiety and the type of depression that you just mentioned, what about, you know, we have anxiety, what we think is because of our jobs or, you know, something going on in our lives. If we take the progesterone to then block the excess adrenaline, it doesn't heal the facts of what is going on in our lives, that the person died or that, you know, we might lose our job or whatever it is that we're angry or depressed about, right? In addition to the progesterone, do you encourage people to seek counseling, to work on their anger so that they don't have road rage in other ways? Or are you saying the progesterone can help with those emotional components behind it as well? Does that make sense? Something like road rage will go away in 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. Right. But that's why I differentiated between the two different types of depression and people that are reacting to something that that takes a while to get better. And that's why I say a tincture of time. You know, progesterone really doesn't help people deal with the loss of 
loved one or something like this. It's when they have internalized anger, then it'll help. Okay. So that's why it's important to differentiate between the type of depression. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like the way I would sum it up is that taking the progesterone is a fundamental tool to have in your healing toolbox, along with other things. Like you still have to work on, you know, the emotional components of why you're upset, depressed, angry, whatever it may be, because those things are going to take time to heal, just as you said. But this is something that will physically help the healing along. Would that be accurate? It'll be very accurate. And just to clarify for your listeners, you know, progesterone is not a woman's hormone. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to men, you know, men have problems with excess estrogen also. You know, that's where prostate cancer comes from. And if you think about it, men actually stop making progesterone around the age of 50. It's after the age of 50 is when men start having problems with prostate cancer. And it's after the age of 50 that men start putting on weight around the middle, you know, from excess insulin. So Mm. again, you know, progesterone you know, blocks insulin and it blocks estrogen and also obviously blocks adrenaline. So it's an important hormone for men as well as women. I call it a universal hormone. And again, starting with newborns (laughs) that have colic. Yeah. I've got to share this with all my friends with newborns and there's quite a few of them right now. It's the season of babies over here in my life (laughs) area that I'm in. (laughs) Are you familiar with a condition called PMDD? No. Well, it stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's found in about 8% of women that are menstruating. And it's another one of these conditions that they consider there's no cure for it. But these are the women that for 10 days out of the month, nobody can live with them because they have severe anger issues and severe mood swings. Oh, I have a friend like this. Yes, I am familiar. Literally, she's like, I can't talk. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) She's like, so... And she just can't do anything. Well, again, it's all excess adrenaline and very easy to fix. Again, I'll say everything is easy to fix if you treat the cause of the problem. Right. Well, I'm with you on that 100%. So, okay, platwellness.com, P-L-A-T-T, wellness.com. Where can we get the progesterone cream? Well, um, they can get it either on platwellness.com or it's on Amazon. Great. Okay. I think we have a sale going on now uh, and free shipping. We love our free shipping. <laughs> so on the website, we have multiple options for the progesterone cream. You've got one with the lavender essential oil, ooh, and then you've got multiple, and then you've got one with no fragrance. Does it matter? Fragrance, fragrance-free? It, it really doesn't matter. Some people don't like fragrances. They're both exactly the same creams, except one has a little bit of lavender in it, which helps some people to calm them a little bit. And I'm always available to answer questions, always. How would people get in touch with you? Well, I'm usually one that answers the phones in the afternoon. Oh, my God. But even when I'm not in the office, uh, if nobody's here, it'll go straight through to my cell phone. So I'm always available to answer questions. A doctor that answers his own phone, I feel like you are a unicorn. And thank you. (laughs) Right? I mean, you know how hard it is to get in touch with doctors these days? Even the functional medicine holistic doctors, they don't call you back for weeks, you know? (laughs) You're the best. I appreciate you very much. Well, thank you. No problem. So, yes, go to platwellness.com or check it out on Amazon, the progesterone cream. And again, what is the amount? Is it one pump per day? Yeah, one pump is 50 milligrams. And when people first start, if, if they have problems with excess adrenaline, I have them use it actually four times a day to begin with. 
Okay, great. A few minutes before each meal. And the reason for do, doing it before meals is that as soon as people put food in the mouth, the body is putting out insulin. And again, when insulin goes up, blood sugar drops, then when that happens, the body puts out more adrenaline. So one of the ways of controlling adrenaline is to control insulin. But after they are nice and relaxed and the tension goes away from the back of the neck and they no longer have cold hands and cold feet, which is only caused by excess adrenaline, by the way, not, not a low thyroid. You are blowing my mind right now. I've had cold hands and feet my whole life, and so did my mom. And we always just said, oh, it's genetic. But I knew there was something else. Well, she's right. It is genetic, <laughs> but uh-huh. adrenaline, not thyroid. Yeah, if you're creative, that means that one or both of your parents were creative. Oh, both of them highly creative. Yeah, and when a child has ADHD, that means one or both parents have ADHD. Interesting. But remember, that's that's a good thing to have. ADHD is a good thing. I love it. I I have always thought that. Okay. So cold hands and feet will be cured by this. I'm in 100%. I'm buying right now. And you said people should start with four pumps a day. And then do they taper down? How does that work? Yeah. Once they're nice and relaxed and they don't have to go to anger management class anymore, um, (laughs) you know, everybody's a little bit different. So they can cut it down to twice a day or three times a day. Remember, they can't overdose on it. They can run out of it, but they can't overdose on it. Right. So you still got to be careful because you're going to run out and then you have to go buy another bottle. But <laughs> Exactly. Yes. And so where do we rub this on our skin? The best place to put it is on the inner forearm. You put a pump on one of the forms and then you rub the two forms together. Yep. And the other thing, just about everybody that has excess adrenaline carries tension in the back of their neck. So that's another good place to put it, at the back of the neck. Some people have cramps in their calves or feet at night. And there, they want to massage it into their cramps. It'll go away in about 30 seconds. Some people have what's called restless leg syndrome. And mm-hmm. there, they would just rub it into the top of their thighs on both sides. And that'll go away in about 30 or 40 seconds. But normally, just the forearm uh, and or the back of the neck. And I don't have people rotate sides. But I do recommend that if they have a, a loofah sponge or some kind of exfoliating sponge, to, to scrub their arms every so often, bath or shower. Just to clear it out of the pores. Excellent. Okay. So this is going to help so many people. Thank you so much, Dr. Platt. You know, if you're listening and you have experienced any of the things we've talked about today, you know, we talked about insomnia or anxiety, anger, depression, road rage, or excess belly fat, weight gain, you know, you said fibromyalgia, headaches, all the things, overactive bladder, the babies that have colic bedwetting and kids. This is something that might be the answer you've been searching for. So check it out at platwellness.com and let us know. Let Dr. Platt know how you're doing. Let Food Heals know if it's working and spread the knowledge. Get the book. It's on Amazon, Adrenaline Dominance. You do have other books, which I mentioned in the very beginning, but do you want to plug anything else that you have today? Well, I'll say this. If they call the office and mention you, uh-huh. I'll send them a free ebook of the Adrenaline Dominance. Oh, thank you, Dr. Flat. So call in, mention Allison from Food Heals, and you'll get that free ebook. That's so awesome. And I'm so grateful to have it in my hands right now. And I can't wait to finish reading it. <laughs> when it comes to testing for hormones, if people have excess adrenaline, they do not want to do a saliva test because the adrenaline will actually cut off the blood supply to the salivary gland because that's part of the survival response. Uh, that's where irritable bowel syndrome comes from. It cuts off blood supply to the intestine also. Yeah, so they want to get a blood test for hormones, not a saliva test. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I think that is so important because 
It's the same with like the hair test. They're not showing everything and they can be completely compromised by things like hair dye and things like that. So it's like, make sure that you know what you're doing before you're spending money on these tests. Because I feel like there's so many tests out there nowadays and you're not necessarily getting the most accurate information. Yeah, because the term adrenal fatigue, it's a non-existent condition. It's a naturopath diagnosis because they do saliva tests. And when they see that low cortisol in the saliva, they diagnose adrenal fatigue. But if they did a blood test, the cortisol level would be high. Wow. It's just a little, little plug <laughs> for blood tests. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think you know, we are all on this mission to get healthier and we all want the answers. And there's so much information out there. And unfortunately, we know there's misinformation when it comes to, you know, the Western medical establishment, because as you said, it's completely controlled by the pharmaceuticals. There's also a lot of misinformation in this holistic health world. And so I really appreciate you breaking this down. And I hope that people who have not figured it out yet that this is, you know, something that they can use to uplevel their health and feel better and get rid of that road rage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being here, Dr. Platt. I really appreciate it. Food Heals Nation, I'm here with my girl Tina from justthrivehealth.com. Tina, tell everyone what is vitamin K27 and why is it so important? Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because vitamin K27 is such a critical nutrient. Um, its job in the body is to actually remove calcium from the heart and the arteries where we don't want it and to put it onto the bone where we do want it. So the mm. studies on vitamin K are so profound. Um, there was a, one study, the Rotterdam study, they took 4,800 patients um, over a 10-year period. And they found after consuming just 45 micrograms of vitamin K2 daily, there was a 50% reduction in arterial calcification. Um, this is the number one risk for heart disease, um, a 50% reduction in cardiovascular death, and a 25% reduction in all-cause mortality as compared to people with low intakes of vitamin K27. Um, we also know that it's been great for bone health. There's a lot of studies on osteoporosis and other bone diseases showing how um, vitamin K27 has been a critical component in um, helping support our bone health. So um, really, really important for heart health and bone health, also for nerve health. Um, lots of, I mean, vitamin K is such a magical nutrient and the studies are so profound on this nutrient. It's, it's amazing that more people don't know about it. You know, I was just thinking that no one's talking about this, so I'm so glad that we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's really, really, an, a really in critical and important vitamin. All right, so Food Heals Nation, go get your vitamin K27. It's all at justthrivehealth.com, and you can use the coupon code FOODHEALS15, and you'll save 15% off your order. Thank you for that generous discount, Tina. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Allison. <laughs> These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.